Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. Everybody in Melbourne, this is Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, and you're here today with Donna and Farm. It is the 2nd of June, and I will start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that 3CR is broadcasting from, and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. And we acknowledge that this land was never ceded. Stay tuned for a fantastic interview about whales today and we will see you in a bit after the community announcements. CR Radiothon is fast approaching. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019, June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Out of the Blue on 3CR. 3CR on the interwebs, on your digital, and also we are podcasting. And Donna is in the studio today having some... uh, Great news about a fantastic interview she's going to do today. Donna, who are we interviewing? Thanks, Farm. Good morning, everyone. Um, And thanks to Earth Matters for doing some good um, whale, 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 um, you know, entry for us into today's show. It's all about whales today on 3CR. Um, So David Donnelly is joining us on the phone today. Um, David is a Melbourne-based marine researcher with a passion for marine conservation He has extensive experience in a range of scientific disciplines as well as field experience um, from fine-scale monitoring of the intertidal zone to open ocean surveys. 
He also has experience in ocean exploration and mining um, and, of course, marine mammal research, which is what we're going to be talking a lot about with him today. Um, He's been involved in numerous whale, dolphin and seal research projects across Australia, the South Pacific, New Zealand, the sub-Antarctic and the Antarctic over the last 25 years. And currently he is employed by the Dolphin Research Institute. Um, And he also has an environmental consultancy called Fathom Pacific. And in his spare time, I'm not too sure when that is, David also manages uh, Killer Whales Australia, which is a citizen science project studying the population and ecology of South of East Australian killer whales. Welcome to the show, David Donnelly. Good morning, Donna. Thank you for that uh, rather long introduction. <laughs> it's a very impressive bio and, yeah, it sounds like you've had an amazing career and you're definitely our kind of guy here on um, Out of the Blue, that's for sure. Yeah, I do feel very lucky to have experienced what I have, but uh, don't let it fool you. I'm not a high-level scientific type person. I'm just uh, on the ground, a field researcher who likes engaging with communities and trying to achieve some really nice conservation outcomes for some of my passionate uh, interests, which includes whales and dolphins. Amazing. Yep, definitely. You're on the right show here. Um, David, I like to... When I'm interviewing guests on on Out of the Blue, I like to ask them, um, and I hope this doesn't kind of throw you, I like to ask you, our guests, what their earliest or fondest memory or of connection with the sea is, um, just to kind of throw that out there and, and set the scene for how and why you've kind of come to love the ocean and, and work with it every day the way you do. Yeah, I guess there's a, a couple of little answers to that. The, the first one is uh, experiencing some time on the water, in particular Port Phillip, with my, uh, with my father and my uncle, just uh, fishing as we all do, and uh, off, off Rye and Blairgowrie. Um, I guess from the point of view of um, whales and dolphins, and which leads to the conservation aspect, is um, I just had an interest in, in strange-looking animals, like bats, mammals that fly, <laughs> and, uh, and mammals that live in the sea full-time. So I guess um, seeing my first whale down at uh, Warrnambool way back in 1983, a southern right whale, which... Uh, was carving there was probably my first connection on the ground with that, with these animals and I was just blown away by the size and the, the enormity of these things and the fact that they just never leave the ocean. That These are mammals. They breathe air. They're not fish. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that got my interest and uh, since then I've, I've been trying as best I can to learn as much as I can and, and share that information with as many people as are interested to listen. Oh, thank you. That's a really beautiful story. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with, with us and our listeners today. Um, so we've given you a call today to chat about uh, the Dolphin Research Institute, um, specifically the Two Bays Whale Project um, that you're uh, managing. Um, if you could give our listeners just a, a bit of an overview of what the Dolphin Research Institute is um, and then a little a, a bit of info about the Two Bays Whale Project, that would be great. Yeah, the Dolphin Research Institute is very much a community-based organisation. Um, it's been in existence for coming up to 28 years now, working in Port Phillip and started as just an interested group of dolphin huggers, if you like, or dolphin lovers. Um, <laughs> as opposed little, to tree huggers. <laughs> uh, correct. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, and they used to launch a little rubber ducky off the beach at um, the uh, military base down Fortsea, and that was the beginning of what exists today. And it's gone through a number of different phases of development where being highly scientifically uh, driven to more community-based. Um, it's also um, started little citizen science projects 
here and there uh, have a very, very strong education program, which has been in existence for quite a long time now, uh, where the schools are visited and also uh, taken out into the field and sometimes the schools even visit the office. So from that point of view, the Dolphin Research Institute uh, for me was a really good fit, not um, not being too concerned about how many publish, how many papers I must publish <laughs> to get my, my name out there, but uh, more about how many people can I, minds can I change about the way they look at the ocean and how they um, preserve what's left of the oceans. And a shout out to uh, Mandy from your uh, education team. They're doing a fantastic job with schools uh, all across Port Phillip Bay. I'm always very impressed with your work there. Yeah, yeah, Mandy's a lovely teacher. She's fantastic with the kids. Unfortunately, she and I don't work very closely together, but we do have a great time when we are in the same office at the same time. So, uh, yeah, Mandy, well done on all the work that you've done today. And all the other educators that are part of that team, is, uh, it really wouldn't exist without the whole team. Cool. Um, and so the Two Bays Whale Project, which is <clears throat> where you do spend most of your time, it's a citizen science initiative designed a couple of years ago. Is that right? Yeah, this is, um, well, formally this is our fifth year or fifth season we're going into, but informally um, data has been collected um, since 1983, which is the first record of whales entering Port Phillip since the... Uh, um, since the closure of, of uh, not scientific whaling, commercial whaling. Um, so since that time, there's been a bit of a haphazard collection of information through to the early 2000s. Um, and then more recently, we've been looking at uh, the frequency of these animals and, and working out how we can actually get a good record. And the, the answer to that really is citizen science. And citizen science has been around for decades. It's just recently got a name. It's just people who are interested sharing information, and that's what it's all about. Hmm. And so how do people, what, what kind of thing does a citizen scientist need to do to, to contribute to, to your data collection? Yeah, do, do people have to have a background in science to participate? No, that's the beauty of it, you know. Um, citizen science is about what you would like to do, how little or, or how much. It doesn't really matter. We have some people who contribute one sighting every two years or we've got some people who, who contribute half a dozen sightings a day. Um, it really is about how much time do you have, how much do you, would you like to contribute, uh, what do you have to contribute, and science background, absolutely not necessary at all. All you need is a pair of eyes, maybe a pair of binoculars, uh, an iPhone or some sort of smartphone, and perhaps even a um, higher-level camera. And really, all you need to do is report what you see, tell us about it, and we'll put it into a spreadsheet, into a database, and we'll compile that and run it against what we're seeing from year to year, and over the years, we're starting to build a picture of the frequency of these animals visiting our coastline, how many are visiting, um, and whereabouts are the best places to see them if other people would like to come down. Yeah, and I actually wanted to know where the best places to see whales along the Victorian coast are, or at least within the um, section of coast that you're collecting data from. Where's the best place to kind of view or get a sight of some of the whales that are passing by? Uh, well, the project boundaries exist um, from Barwon Bluff, uh, east right across to Inverloch, and encompass both bays, of course, and extend three nautical miles out to sea. So that's the area we're looking to cover. Um, there's, a re there's a few reasons for why it's that size, mostly about data handling and mm -hmm. trying to uh, account for resites or the same animals being sighted more than one time in a day. Um, so the best places we think to see whales are, well, the smart answer is where the whales are. 
but (laughs) (laughs) we don't know where the whales are all the time. So what we've got to do is go to these locations where we think they might pass by and just watch and wait. Mm. Um, Sometimes it takes five minutes. Other times it takes several hours. Sometimes you don't see one at all. But um, the best places we can recommend are probably um, Barwon Bluff in in the west, a nice high ground there and looks straight out to sea to the south. Um, Cape Shank on the tip of the Mornington Peninsula is a spectacular place to visit regardless of whales. But uh, if you're mm-hmm. interested in seeing whales, that's where I would be going. The other options are to go to Phillip Island. Uh, and of course, I must say, anywhere between these locations on high ground is fine for spotting whales. They all have to go past. They travel from west to east, generally speaking, at this time of the year. Um, so with Phillip Island, we, we recommend the Nobby Centre, Pyramid Rock and Cape Woolamai. And then when you get to the, the Bass Coast or the Boonarong area, uh, Punch Bowl through to um, Cape Patterson and Eagle's Nest. And, you know, the, the stuff inside the bay is more opportunistic, but we know that on the ocean side of these coastlines, we're likely to see whales. Uh, usually around June and August are the best times to see them. And uh, we, with that, we, we expect to see lots of people heading out with their phones, cameras, binoculars, and uh, and taking up positions here and feeding back to us. And then we'll give them a call and say, hey, thank you very much. That's awesome. And uh, let's not forget the diving community as well, the scuba divers. I saw, I don't know if you saw it, David, but there was a great video of one of the dive operators in Port Phillip Bay that was posted about two days ago on Facebook of an orca just off Lonsdale Wall, um, just outside the heads, um, which is really great to see that they're back. Um, But so this person was filming the orca. Uh, spontaneously from the dive boat and what would you so how would that person then make the recording yeah okay so um this is um red boats so these guys have been yeah, really, really fantastic with uh contributing um whale and dolphin sightings particularly the whales and they did uh chat to us yesterday and we do have a very strong interest in killer whales i must point out that the two base whale project focuses mostly on humpback and southern right whales as well as killer whales but we're interested in all of course um, so with regards to those guys reporting it, um, we, we're just about to launch what we're calling a progressive web app, which is not a, the same as the typical uh, apps that we see for phones, but it works in the same fashion. So what we're encouraging people to do is to download what we're calling PodWatch from www.dolphinresearch.org.au. And this, uh, this app allows you to record the, or prompts you, Sorry, to record the sighting that you have and it also allows you to upload photos and video and it captures your position so there's really no work for you to do in terms of thinking about it um, you just record what you see follow the prompts and submit and it's as simple as that that's fantastic it doesn't really get easier than that does it <laughs> it, it doesn't and look with the with this um, progressive web app which is um, you more or less have to design yourself it's low cost which means we can put the other money back into the processing of data instead of spending it on companies that are developing these things. You don't need to do upload updates. And when you swap phones, you just download it again. There's, there's no issues. It's uh, so much better than trying to use one of these uh, apps that are going around at the moment, which expect you to do a lot of updates. And for some of our people who are reporting are not really that good with phones, that becomes more of a problem than it's worth. Yeah, so it's a really accessible way to encourage people to collate and collect data for the program absolutely and we're 
people just enjoy it. The amount of work that they give me to do is uh, far beyond what I get paid for, but it's, uh, we do it anyway. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> That's the life we lead, huh? All right, it David, it's, uh, it's time to go to a song. Stick with us, David. We'd love to speak with you a little bit more uh, after this break. Everybody, we're going to listen to Love is a Medicine um, by Uncle Bana Lori, who was mentioned in the previous program as well. Um, Bana is a fantastic, uh, actually a whale conservationist of indigenous background. So we thought, Dave, you would like this song probably. Um, Very <laughs> with, much your, so. with your Very whale much theme. So. Uh, this is Out of the Blue. You are on 3CR 855 AM with Donna and Fum. This is Love is a Medicine by Banalori and we'll be back after the break. My name is Ian Ham, and I'm the chair of the Healing Foundation's Stolen Generations Reference Group. At three weeks of age, I was separated from my birth family. And even though they lived just 50 kilometers away, I never knew they existed. I never met my mum and it pains me to this day. There are thousands of Aboriginal people just like me and our stories have never been heard. These stories form the basis of Australia's first Stolen Generations resource kit for schools. To download the kit, go to healingfoundation.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to 855am. You are listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Donna and I'm joined by Farm in the studio on the panel um, and David Donnelly on the phone. Um, so we're back. <laughs> we're back, yes. Um, so, David, I just was having a look at your uh, report from last year about all the whales that you saw. 610 individual animals, so many. I wouldn't, I didn't expect that, yeah, that number of whales passing through the, along the coastline. Absolutely. It's, it's the best estimate we have mm. because we can't identify each individual, so we can't be 100% sure, but it's our best guess based on uh, the resite probability. So if you see an animal mm. portsy, is that the same animal you saw at Cape Shank? We can work that out roughly. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of a minimum. And don't forget, that doesn't account for rough weather days and night time. So there's probably a lot more animals probably moving through. Probably a lot more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. And just by chance, while we've been uh, listening to that song, we've got a sighting that's come in, um, oh. not in the two bays region, but from uh, Bermagui, New South Wales, or some killer whales. So oh, wow. uh, hold off the press. You could say. Right. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, by the way, that, that music we were listening to was uh, Love is a Medicine by Uncle Bana. Um, have you met Uncle Bana, David? I don't believe so, but we do have a very close Indigenous connection with our whale festival on Phillip Island where we have a Welcome to Country and we have musicians come down and and certainly um, uh, the local communities or local Indigenous communities come down and demonstrations and drumming circles and storytelling, etc. So, yeah... I'm yet to meet this particular person, but let's wait and see, huh? He is uh, currently touring the world, I believe, um, fighting the uh, oil drilling by Equinor uh, in the Great Australian Bight. And um, I met him at the the St Kilda Paddle Out protest a few months ago where he um, smeared us all with ochre and then taught everybody to dance the whale dance, um, which is quite beautiful. (laughs) First time I've ever done a whale dance before. But it seemed to have worked because, I mean, over 600 whales, that's a... a lot that we conjured up mm. there with the uh, with the whale dance. Um, so, w- what sort of numbers are we looking at over time? Are, are the whales increasing or are they decreasing? Because you have quite a large data set, right? Well, it's a reasonable data set for a small area. Yeah, I mean, 
when you look at it in the scope of the whole East Coast population, it's, it's just a snapshot, really. But it's important for us for management purposes. But I guess what we can say about the data is that it is indicating a very, very strong resurgence of humpback whales along the coastline of Victoria. As I said, our first record was 1983 after whaling ceased. Um, so over the years, we've been seeing more and more whales showing up along our coast. Now, this is in correlation with a East Coast Australian population increase of around 10% per annum. So that fits with that model. But also we're wondering, and we're investigating this now, are we just seeing a reinstatement of an old migratory corridor which previously was used but uh, hadn't recovered because of the uh, the pressures of whaling through the um, through the early years. So uh, we're looking at that, and perhaps that will happen over time. But what we can say is some of the animals that are appearing on our, along our coastline are showing up in places like Byron Bay. We have matches to Phillip Island and other areas, Port Phillip and to Queensland. Uh, so we're able to tell, yes, these are the same animals that are showing up off Queensland which is really interesting mm. and, it's, um, and it's a lot of fun to do and people get really excited about that sort of thing because my photo uh, taken with my iPhone uh, was enough, you know, mm. to be able to, to say, yep, this animal showed up in Harvey Bay. Yeah, it's pretty special. I love Very citizen cool. science. I won't <laughs> lie. I'm such a nerd for it. <laughs> it, is a, it is a really great tool to use if you use it well and I think the key is to have good lines of open communication and make people feel valued because what they have to offer people out in the communities, the divers, as you mentioned earlier, the fishermen, the people going on whale watch cruises around Phillip Island. This is, these are all of our eyes and ears uh, talking to us on almost a daily basis about something we share a mutual uh, passion for. Hmm. Speaking of eyes and ears on the ground, um, last weekend, Farm and I reported um, about a, a humpback that was tangled or entrapped in like a... a fishing line or a yeah, the a crate pot or something. No, the Wasn't one in Port Phillip Bay. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and it was tangled, but then we didn't hear anything kind of else in the news or anything about it. Do you know about that and what happened um, to that particular humpback whale? Uh, well, our details are probably not much better than mm. what you've just said, but what we do know is the animal was identified off or sighted off Barwon Heads. Yeah. It was entangled in what looks to be a Southern Rock Lobster uh, oh, pot it, line. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the uh, efforts by the Fisheries Park Victoria Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning, yes, got it, uh, had, to be, uh, <laughs> had to be shut down due to unfavourable weather. Yeah. Now, the animal didn't look to be terribly entangled, but that's only probably early days and it's likely to get worse if it doesn't throw the entanglement. Um, but unfortunately, um, it wasn't found again. Uh, but another example of how citizen science contributes to that situation is last year, our citizen scientists along the coast between Portsea and Cape Shank were able to track and or found an entangled whale just by watching whales on the coast. They tracked it all the way along the coast. They kept taking photos and video. And then at one point, they realised that the whale had what we call thrown the entanglement or disentangled itself, and it was able to move on. And that was confirmed by Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. Got it again. Mm -hmm. um, aerial survey of the region in their response uh, practices. They found the line floating at the surface, which combined with the citizen science information allowed us to confirm that animal is now safe. Great. Fantastic. And was that a, what kind of line was that? Because you're saying that was line, also, what is that? Uh, that's also Southern Rock Lobster Fishery. Oh, right. Yep. Um, so what we're looking at here, and I think we're getting to the point now, is that there are 
that many whales passing through our, our waters and directly through uh, areas that are being used for commercial fisheries, the interactions are likely to become more frequent, which is an example we can see in Western Australia uh, where action has been taken and also in Western Victoria where a closed area for southern right whale carving has been established where southern rock lobster fishery lines and pots cannot be put in this area during carving season, yeah, which allows right. the animals to... Uh, calves, let the calves grow and then leave the area. And move on safely. safely. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are just about out of time. Can I just ask you a really, really, really quick question? Farm and I have this ongoing debate. What would you rather, to be in the water with a killer whale or a great white shark? Donna has a phobia for orcas, so I feel we, like we they would just play this. with me. We need, we need to just like put all of, all of her nightmares to rest. David, can you answer this question for us? What would you rather? Can I say both? I love them both. Oh, my gosh. I just have a thing for top-level <laughs> predators. Look, we've been in the water with killer whales before. Um, they're very standoffish. They're very, they put distance on you straight away. Oh. White sharks, obviously, there's a tourism industry around that. Yeah. Um, so, and there is a tourism industry around killer whales as well in Norway. So, um, geez, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like complex animals, so I think... <laughs> yeah, so you would rather fence. be played with before eating? No, just kidding. accepted <laughs> <laughs> Pod, perhaps. On yes, that, can I just make right. sure that people understand we don't just jump in the water with whales and dolphins. Yes. There are regulations in place for boats, jet skis, drones, swimmers, and they can be found on the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. Got it for a third time website. <laughs> um, and please, everybody, come down to the Whale Festival, July 5 to 7 on Phillip Island. We awesome. will put that on the Facebook page. Thank you Absolutely. so much for your time. Um, we're wrapping up now. Up next is Out of the Pan with Sally. You're tuned to 855am3cr. Thanks, ladies.